Welcome to a football show. This, of course, is a Thursday edition, season finale edition. His name is Stoney Keeley. My name is Braden Gall, and I think we're live. I think we are live uh, across all platforms here on the 440 Sports Network. Stoney, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. That's what the little red box in the top right. corner of the video is, <laughs> is showing me, and I see it on, on Facebook and, and Twitter, too. So Great. we're so, good. So jump on into the comments. Of course, uh, Stoney from Sobros Network. Great to have you here uh, filling in for Zach as he is away for a couple of days. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff to discuss today as we could be ending an era in Titans football with Derrick Henry, uh, with the stadium, and of course with um, Ryan Tannehill. Potentially all that their final farewell uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. So we'll get to a lot of that today, of course, brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. We have... There's so much drama. There's more smoke about the Rand Carthon, Mike Vrabel situation. And I think we're going to try to avoid uh, reckless speculation, maybe do some informed speculation, Stoney. I mean, I'm a specialist in reckless speculation. (laughs) So if you wanted to go down that hole, today would be a good day to do it. So uh, what we will do, of course, is some informed speculation. And what I'm going to tell you is like the only logical conclusions to what is going to happen with Rand Carthon, Mike Vrabel, Amy Adams, Strunk, and the Titans power structure. There are only a few logical conclusions. And some of this, again, is informed speculation. And some of this is just pure logic. It's just straight up logic. Uh, I'm a big Occam's razor guy. I know you are as well. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. a single blade, you know. Uh, We only need the one. Uh, Although by the look of your current (laughs) facial hair, you might need need a few. Might need a few, uh, but generally the simplest explanation is the most accurate explanation. So, um, Stony, great to have you here today. Of course, uh, again, Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group, support good local businesses. Uh, BuildKG.com is the website for Kingston Group. Before you make any big decisions about your house, make sure you check out the Kingston Group and, of course, Sinkers Beverages, the award-winning Sinkers Beverages, two consecutive seasons as the defending liquor store champions in Nashville, best liquor store in Nashville, as voted on by you the great folks of this fair city uh, go join the in crowd, of course, and you can, I'm going to put you, see if you can do this. Um, search Uber eats for sinkers beverages, Stony. They drive so you can drink. Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. So, uh, so if you have questions, jump in, we're going to spend the back half of the show talking about Rand Carthon and, and Mike Vrabel and how this is all going to end for the Titans. The first half of the show is going to be sort of a farewell tour and some legacy defining conversations Because at the end of the day, on Sunday, it will probably be the last time Ryan Tannehill, it probably, I mean, I can can definitively say it will be the last time that Ryan Tannehill will wear a Titans jersey. I'm not as certain that it's the final time that Derrick Henry will wear a Titans jersey, but it's close. And it is certainly the last time you will be able to tailgate around that stadium the way it has always been for you Titans fans for 25 years. Uh, It will be a giant mud pit beginning, I don't know when, but very soon after the end of the season. Uh, so we'll have some of those conversations. But before we do, uh, Stoney, tell everybody what you got over at the Sobros Network. Give the Sobros Network a little love here on the program. Well, I just this morning released my uh, annual Nashville food journal. So I wrote about all of the new restaurants I ate at in 2023 and listed a few spots that I want to hit in 2024. We've got some new podcasts out this week talking about gangs of New York, talking about the Yeti. I mean, you really like... We, we really cover the bases at Sobro's Network. <laughs> yes, yes, There's you do. <laughs> no telling what you're going to get. A couple of weeks ago, I wrote about erotic Jurassic Park. So there's that as well. Um, I normally read most of the stuff you do, but uh, <laughs> where where exactly uh, are, are you guys are into bestiality now is what I'm hearing. Uh, you know what? I just think that 
with the all of the IP movies that are coming out in Hollywood these days, I can appreciate the effort at creativity. You know, let's at least instead of just rebooting something and, and putting new dinosaurs out there, let's just have the dinosaurs get into relationships with people. Nothing like good herbivore porn um, exactly. to, get you, to get you going on Thursday. Yeah. And uh, then on uh, stacking the inbox tomorrow, I've got a new uh, draft notebook coming out that I've watched five different games, five different offensive linemen, Cooper Beebe, Dominic Puny, Joe Alt, uh, Patrick Paul, and I'm forgetting the fifth one because I wrote it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm already in brain fog season where it's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm squinting, watching tape and making notes like can't even read my handwriting the next morning. That's good for my credibility to admit that. Right uh, now that uh, those last few sentences were very <laughs> erotic. Um, so I'm in I'm in on yeah. some good, big, ugly uh, film study. If you're going to watch film late at night by yourself in a basement, it might as well be a Joe Alt, you know? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm that's what I'm saying. Uh, that way, you know, if the mood's so you're already ready so to speak uh i go. know we we weren't going to talk about the texans game on this show but i do just want to mention real quick in passing that i was laughing my ass off watching the all 22 of that game and watching the titans put seven to eight guys in position to block houston only rushing four and still just kicking their shit in every snap well, I do think that the, the text, there's not a lot to say. We were off on Monday, of course. Happy New Year to everybody. I hope everybody's having yeah. a wonderful and amazing time. Again, go to Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. Uh, also, check out all the great stuff at the Sobros Network. Again, carnivore versus herbivore. Uh, probably very distinct, <laughs> different different uh, uh, experience there. Um, so, uh, Polar74, I, I see you. What is your prediction? Uh, Vrabel, fly, Vrabel fired, uh, traded, ran fired. They all stay. We will get to that. The the the, 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 the we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to Hollywood first here. We're gonna say goodbye to say goodbye to Tannehill mm-hmm. and Henry and the Titan Stadium as it is constructed. Uh, we'll discuss that first, and then we'll move on to informed. Yes, Elliot, informed speculation, intellectual speculation, uh, and I think I can explain actually how this has all happened. I think I think pretty well. Hopefully, I'll I'll do my best, of course. Uh, and Trey, what's up, man? Uh, Happy New Year. So, I am probably going to greatly disappoint Elliot. Because <laughs> you're gonna do uh, a bunch of uninformed speculation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amy Adams Strunk is a lizard person. Is that does does that lizard person know more about uh, <laughs> uh, like bendy left tackles and knee bend and foot placement and stuff like that? Can she? Is that lizard person good at at pass pro? How, how's her set? It's all. It's all that matters. It's all that okay. matters. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's start with Tannehill because it's the easiest one. I think it's done. I think he's done. It's his last game. I think he should start. I think he should play. I think I don't know what what Will Levis gains uh, at this stage of the season with one game to go. Uh, you know the way the game played out against Houston. To your exact point, I would argue with the way the Jaguars have gotten after the quarterback. I would expect it to be very similar. So I don't think there's a reason to play Will Levis just in this one particular game. Uh, injury not is not that big of a deal. I just don't know. I think you kind of owe it to Tannehill for a variety of reasons, and you can call this um, sentimental if you want to. But I think at some point. Even as a Tannehill critic for most of my time here covering the team in general, I think he has been uh, an excellent person in the community. I think despite what the internet will have you believe, he has he has stood up for the things that he believes in, which are generally pretty good for the community, standing right next to Kevin Byard, as we talked about, you know, the blatantly uninformed racist takes uh, that were flying around a couple of months ago. I think he's tough as hell. I think he's a great teammate. I think he's good for the team. And oh, by the way, from 2019 to 2021, those three seasons were amongst the best seasons 
in Titans quarterback history, in Titans franchise history. You get to the AFC championship game, and then you're a one seed. And yes, we know how it ended against Cincinnati. But the guy's career is probably not finished yet, and I think he deserves a, a send-off uh, for what he's accomplished here, even if you know, you're like me and you kind of go, I just don't know if they can win a Super Bowl with him. I don't think he's an elite player, blah, 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 blah. I think he's earned uh, a really excellent Sunday afternoon uh, opportunity to showcase his skills and say goodbye to the fans. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the, it seems like a lot of the complicated feelings about Ryan Tannehill go back to that Bengals playoff game. And I, I think he should be appreciated more for those three seasons, as you mentioned. Don't know that he was ever going to be the, the main event player in the NFL, so to speak. But I think he is a guy that they could have won a Super Bowl with, especially, you know, 2019, 2020 with Arthur Smith here and that 2020 offense, man. I, I just I, I don't see how that one Bengals game can cloud your feelings so much that you forget how much fun that team was to watch. I know the defense sucked and they gave up a ton of big plays, but man, that offense was otherworldly. And I don't think it's possible without Ryan Tannehill. I mean, to me, I'm I'm a big fan of Tannehill's work. I think he should be appreciated more. I, I think that playoff loss left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And I think there's a certain sect of the fan base that just couldn't get over it. And when things eventually started declining for him, like they did for a, a lot of people, a lot of players that participated in this window with him, I think he was a scapegoat for a lot of stuff. So I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I kind of want to be a little harder on the Tannehill haters and, and just say, hey, come around if just for this one game and just appreciate all of the things that he did for this franchise. I, I agree with that. Um, and I, again, I think, I, you know, I think those three seasons, I think 30 and 13, is that was that what I said is, is was his record yeah. as the starting mm -hmm. quarterback. Um, they were certainly anomalies in his from a from an efficiency standpoint. They were sort of anomalies in his, you know, when you look at yards per attempt and touchdown interception ratio and all the efficiency metrics. But who cares? Like who cares? <laughs> and um it because it fit together and it worked together. Like Derrick Henry's peak years and what he did very well fit very well with what Ryan Tannehill did very well or does very well at the time, certainly a younger version of himself before all the broken ankles. And, and you packaged it with Art Smith and you had sort of this and Matt LaFleur there for a year. And you sort of have this blend, this perfect little moment in time. And I think it's okay to just celebrate that and not, and not worry about the rest of it. Like, I don't think you, you know, I don't think you have to. And so uh, honestly, the, the Tannehill is probably going to be on a roster next year somewhere. And I think giving him a chance to showcase Hey, like, I mean, he didn't play terribly against the Texans, honestly. No. Um, so if you put him out there and he gets a chance to showcase, he puts something on film for somebody that maybe helps him get a job somewhere. And I just think you're doing right by him at that point. If the fans sort of celebrate him for what he is, and if the coaching staff allows him to sort of go out like that, I think then you're, you've sort of, you know, again, I know this is a very cynical business where, you know, <laughs> a player, a, 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 you know, a scout team player tears an ACL and he's like, cut, you know, like, it's just how <laughs> I, I know how the business yeah. works. Um, but Tannehill went to therapy and was open about how that loss affected him. Mm -hmm. I, I think we should all go to more therapy and we should all talk about the fact that we go to more therapy for sure. Um, so I think everything he's done is earned sort of a, a, a send off um, and Tannehill. By the way, I I don't think that Bengals game was 100% on Ryan Tannehill. Um, I've said it 
publicly before, but just to, for, for people that might be hearing that out of my mouth for the first time, I think Todd Downing shares some of the blame from that game. I don't no. think Derrick Henry was back up to uh, up to speed for that game. And then on defense, Christian Fulton and Jack Rabbit Jenkins whiffed on critical tackles that could have kept the Bengals out of field goal range. So, I mean, to me, it's it's too simplistic. It's too easy to say they lost that game because of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, also, one of his interceptions bounced off the hands of Nick Westbrook-Akine. So, Don't you talk about that. I know. Listen, I'm just Let's saying. I'm just saying. This is my opinion. I think... I think Ryan Tannehill is maybe like 75% of the reason they lost that game, but uh, I, I don't okay. think it's all of them, and, and I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for him to uh, take the amount of shit that he's taken over yeah, that game. I, I'm, I'm good with 75%. Jason says, I remember, uh, good to see you, Jason, of course. I remember Titan fandom before Ryan Tannehill. I am 1,000% grateful. I think that's the yes. right approach at this stage. Mm-hmm. Now that we are here and the season's over, basically, and the draft pick is all that we're we're paying attention to, like I'm as I'm trying to get Zach all the time to can to give me like, hey, who are some of these young players that have earned a roster? Who, who are you excited about? And he's like, I just thought uh, the tight the team sucks. I can't do it. So like, <laughs> like I'm excited about Otis Reese and what he could be in camp next yeah. year. I don't think yeah. he's a star middle linebacker, but I think he's might might be a better depth piece than people think. Other than that kind of thing, uh, again, Tannehill saying goodbye. We'll get to Henry in a second. The other thing that I think people need to remember here, and it's kind of weird, but. It is the last game of Nissan Stadium as we know it. 25 mm-hmm. years in, in existence, starting with a, a deep run to the Super Bowl, of course, in 99. And I assume, from what I understand, um, that groundbreaking is going to happen real fast. They, they have to move extremely fast on the 30 acres around the new Titan Stadium to get it up and running so that the Titans games are actually functionable if that's a word, uh, functionable. Yeah. Functionable in sure. 2020, 2027, which okay, means I, I imagine they're going to start demoing parking lots right away, which I mean, means if you're a parking lot, a parking lot, C, you tailgate on the river, you have been, I've been down there a million times for a million different types of events and it will never be the same after Sunday. And I think you should enjoy it. They might start breaking ground on that thing in the fourth quarter on Sunday, depending on how the game goes. <laughs> How many people are still left in the building? All right, hit detonate. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just it's going to be a mud hole around that building for the next two or three football seasons. Yeah, I won't see any part of it. I was never a guy that went out and tailgated. I didn't even like going to games. I like watching from the comfort of my own home. I can see the uh, the numbers on the jerseys a lot clearer. Anytime I did go to a game, I now I I admit that I would on the way into the stadium. I would sneak a, a beer or two from if people were just passing them out, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, tighten up. Here you go, man. I take a beer, chug it on the way into the stadium, but I'm too anxious for all that stuff, man. I got to get to my seat. I'm a big guy. I'm six, six, two, 285 pounds. Like, I got to get to my seat and I'm just not going to move for three hours because I don't want to, I don't want to take up people's bubbles. I'm kind of, I kind of feel bad for you a little bit because I, I've reached the point when I like travel, especially making the journey to Lambeau, like with my father and my brother and my uncle, which is like part of the, like part of go, like part of going to Lambeau field is how hard it is to get to Lambeau field. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a journey, but the, t- like I honestly have in my older age, and maybe this is just me being soft or whatever. I don't know, but like, I don't, because it's such a journey to get there. I don't care about the outcomes as much. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. more about that. I actually like the tailgating part of it better. And as a college football junkie, the tailgating in particular in the SEC is what makes being a fan so much fun. So I, I'm just giving shout outs to the folks who 
have spent their time in those charming, quaint, very flat parking lots with very little uh, around them <laughs> and, uh, and, and enjoyed themselves for, again, since, since the, since the nineties. Um, now I, so. I did see someone fall over the rails of the steps coming down from the pedestrian bridge before one of the what? Thursday night Jags games. And that was pretty cool. That was probably the extent of my tailgating. How high up the railing are we talking about? It's just like, you know, four or five feet in the air. It just okay. been drinking, stumbled, kind of turned and went over sideways and landed on his feet kind of, but crumpled. I, I like, think it's pretty hard. To dr- it's pretty hard to drunkenly fall off the pedestrian bridge. Yeah. Um, but the staircase, yes, is an opportunity for that to happen. And you um, just crowded in there, like, you know, I don't know. It's just like, I, I'm, all right. I'm good with all this. All right. But uh, I, I appreciate the service that you're doing, providing for I, people. I'm just that, saying. That might need a reminder to, hey, go go appreciate some of this stuff. That's all I'm saying. I, I've been there, and it's not just Titans games. Like, I've been down there for so many other things, like all the Grand Prix the last few years, the, the Music City mm-hmm. Bowls. Um, certainly tons of concerts there, Rolling Stones, Elton John. I've taken my kids to all the, the, the events that are down there and it just, it's not going to look the same for a very long time. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, just people should just take a second, especially if you're a diehard, if you are a diehard fan who has been tailgating in those parking lots for the last 20 years, you better enjoy it. Take a deep breath and look around and be present, touch grass, yell at kids, whatever. So, yeah, um, I, uh, I got caught, it. I got caught up in that fiasco for the Garth Brooks show a couple of years ago. And it hasn't been the same since. There you go. (laughs) Maybe that's what I'm just, it's just traumatic experience here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So we're going to get to Rand Carthon to Mike Vrabel here in a second, but um, Derek Henry also, um, there's a chance he comes back. If he decides that he wants to take a, a discounted contract or a smaller rate or a smaller deal, and he wants to stay here hometown, whatever, for a number of reasons that he might want to do that. Um, It certainly, it certainly is possible. Is it probable? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I think that he is, if you start looking at the history of his career, I don't think he is quite a Hall of Famer yet, but I think he has a really, really good chance to be a Hall of Famer and to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think any George will, but I think Derrick Henry, based on um, the way we've recalibrated rushing statistics in 2023 to sort of fit the rules and the passing games, 10,000 yards in 2023 is not the same as 10,000 yards in 2005, even Uh, his physical traits and physical talents. He might be the greatest athlete that's ever worn a Tennessee Titans uniform, certainly from a leadership standpoint, from an influence on the community standpoint and a face of the franchise. I, I remember the first time I ever saw Derrick Henry at Alabama in person was the, the sugar bowl in 2014. He was a backup freshman. And I was like, a grown ass man just saying, Holy shit, that's a human being mm-hmm. that plays running back and every step of his career, greatest high school running back in American history. Uh, one of the great running backs in sec history, national champion Heisman trophy winner. And I think arguably one of the top three or four running backs of his generation in the NFL, I think he's going to get into the hall of fame, but I think he has to have one more decent season. He needs mm-hmm. to get to 10,000 yards and could that happen in a Titans uniform? Maybe. But the likelihood of that, Stoney, is that he doesn't, and it's somewhere else, yeah. which means Sunday you also need to take a moment to appreciate how spectacular Derrick Henry has been in a Titans uniform. From your your sense of where the team's at right now, do you kind of feel like they're wanting to just 
rip the Band-Aid off and go younger and go cheaper across the board? I I would think so. Don't you? I, I, mean, I mean, I would, I would younger, think cheaper, so too. Faster, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's common sense. And so I think that's probably why with the the contract expiring like i don't i don't expect him to be back um but i would also ask too when you're, you're talking about the grand pantheon of titans greats i i don't know that i take much much issue with the statement that he is the greatest athlete to ever wear the two-tone blue i mean this guy is a freak of nature how many how many running backs in in the nfl's history come to mind when you think of that combination of size, frame, speed, and athleticism, uh, like in the history of my life, in the history of your life, uh, yeah. Larry Johnson, maybe um, mm. Eddie George is a pretty big dude, but never, yeah. the, never the speed. Um, I mean, truly, again, there's a reason he is. I say America's greatest high school running back. He is the all-time leading rusher in American high school football history. If you don't know that, right? Um, I, I don't I don't think I mean again if you were to say like who's the who's a better athlete the guy named the freak Javon mm-hmm. Kirst might be a freakier athlete but I certainly don't think he had the you know availability and the durability and the toughness that Derrick Henry exhibits taking the over sure. 2100 touches and really just having the one injury yeah I, I, I mean I think that sort of dependability and is and availability makes him the best is he as important as Steve McNair was to those Titans teams when he was the quarterback touching the ball every play? Maybe not. Was Javon Curse maybe a freakier athlete if you just put him on like a three cone drill? You know, maybe not. Um, is he as good as Earl Campbell at being an all around football player? I don't know, maybe not, but that's an oiler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. Um, so I think if you put it all together and you say value to the franchise personality, leadership, availability, toughness, productivity, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, basically over a hundred yards and a touchdown a game for four straight years and pure athleticism. I, I don't think there's a greater Tennessee Titan. And honestly, I think all he needs is like one more decent season. And I think because of his raw, pure athletic ability, I think that's what gets him over the hump with hall of fame voters because they just know yeah he is just physically that much better than most everybody else. Well, and I think my my larger point in asking you that question is that I feel Derrick Henry is one of one. And anytime you get to a point where you're one of one in this league over an extended amount of time, I think you have a pretty compelling case to get into the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yep. I, I, think, I think 10,000 yards and 100 touchdowns, automatic Hall of Famer. But yeah. that would require at least one more season. Uh, so if so. if if it's not in Tennessee, you know, we heard the rumors of Philadelphia. We heard the rumors of Baltimore throughout the offseason right at the trade deadline. I mean, is is there an ideal fit for him where the goal becomes like, let's get that 10,000 yard mark? Well, and that's the other thing, too, is the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Eddie and yeah. McNair and those guys got to a Super Bowl. AFC Championship game is pretty close, especially when you when you look at his rushing statistics in the postseason. Yeah, um, I I don't I think you name I think you, if you name if you add Buffalo to that list, I think it's a team mm. with a good offensive mm-hmm. line that needs a veteran presence that can be a battering ram to finish drives on third and short, can be a a role player, and you can probably give him a hundred hundred touches, you know, for four or five hundred yards, and can be a, a, a especially for Buffalo where Josh Allen 
you know is going to have to be less of the goal line threat as his career goes along. Sure. You can extend Josh Allen for a year by bringing in Derrick Henry. I, I think there's plenty of teams. Derrick Henry is still too too um, I, good's not the right word because he's certainly not the best version of himself. But like he's still too valuable to a locker room and an organization to not play next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's healthy, and I, by all accounts, it seems like he will be. He certainly takes care of his body as well as anybody I've ever seen. So, yeah, I think Philly, Buffalo, and Baltimore, where you're not asked to be the feature back, but they use you as a piece of a larger puzzle, I think there's a chance that not only do you get the the numbers you need to be a Hall of Famer, but you get the, the Super Bowl that you need to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And I think, you know, that's got to factor into the decision too, right? I mean, fit potential to win a championship. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy and I kind of feel like he has, he has a place atop this franchise's history right now. And, yeah. and I, I like Steve and Eddie, don't get me wrong. That era of Titans football will always be remembered fondly, but they also had each other to lean on. And while I'm an admitted, uh, Tannehill apologist, I kind of feel like that run doesn't happen without Derrick Henry doing what he was doing as dominantly as he was doing. No, I, I completely agree. Even, I mean, even like, again, we don't have to like rattle off his numbers here, but like the guy had yeah. 937 yards and 10 touchdowns in half a season. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was his injured season. <laughs> oh, what could have been that year too? What could have been? I know. Uh, led the NFL, of course, in carries three times, led the NFL in rushing twice, uh, double digit touchdowns in six consecutive seasons, even this year where he's clearly not himself. He does it again, thousand yards, 11 touchdowns. Um, and in mm-hmm. a year, and in, in, a, in an NFL where that just doesn't, there's just not many of those guys uh, in the league. He's continuing to do it. So can he do? He's at, he's going to be he's at nine three forty nine and eighty nine touchdowns right now. So so he needs about six hundred yards rushing. If he gets about a hundred, if he can get a, close to a hundred yards and and a touchdown against Jacksonville, which again is asking a lot, but let's say he hits his averages, he's going to need about five hundred yards next year and ten mm-hmm. touchdowns to get to ten thousand and a hundred. And I think those are very doable things. And again, I think if he gets to 10,000 and 100 touchdowns with a couple more playoff games under his belt, I, I think he is an automatic Hall of Famer. And again, my hope, long shot, I think we're talking less than 10%. My hope is that there's a bridge deal or some sort of contract that allows him to be back to do all that stuff as a Titan. But my my 90% guess is that it's somewhere else. I really like Andrew's comment here, and I want to expand upon it a little bit. He says the offense only worked because Henry and the line was so good. Tanny and Brown were what made them a top team, but it all revolved around the run game. I would expand upon that and say um, Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and even Corey Davis that one season, that's what made defenses pay for playing to Henry in the run game. And I think losing those, those pieces, you lose a little bit of that threat but I think that is what made this team so great. And among the best offenses in the league at that time is that when defenses did try to shore up their front to stop Derrick Henry in that run game, they were capable of making them pay on the back end with the deep shots to AJ Brown. And and I do think I agree, Andrew, it's good stuff there. I think if you're going to say like McNair and Eddie had each other with why check, right? Like that was the trio that sort of Mm -hmm. made it all go. I, I do think there's a reason that the best teams, nobody wants to hear this, but the best teams under Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry were with AJ Brown. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Although he's apparently not very happy right now, Philadelphia. Are things we're I don't we're gonna get down a whole <laughs> different rabbit hole. Well, look, I'm, we could talk about the fight. Look, there's a lot of like really awesome football this weekend that's not Titans related. Yeah, there is. I mean, we're already 30 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel. Oh, yet. we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Uh, to Colts on the, on the rails. Houston at Colts, man. Like that's fantastic stuff. I know, like Can't people want a people want a meteor and like a, a earthquake to open up and swallow the stadium, but like. That's drama. Buffalo and Miami, the last game of the year. Winner wins Man. the division. Loser, could, Buffalo could be out of the playoffs altogether, mm-hmm. which is nuts yeah. for a ten-win team. Um, like again in the in the NFC, Philadelphia, Dallas, the the, the AFC South. Like there's still so much to be decided in in the league this year. Um, so again, AJ Brown, not the Eagles lost what four out of five. They're yeah, struggling they to the finish. So I'm sure Titans fans devastated. <laughs> we also, if I'm not mistaken, Steelers and Ravens is on Saturday too. Like that's oh, going to be a pretty good little double header. Uh, Mike Tomlin goes with Mason Rudolph over his starting quarterback because he's playing hotter, even though his team likes Kenny Pickett better. And and they're a three point favorite against the Ravens because the, in a rivalry game, even though the Ravens are have already cl- like they're not going to maybe play Lamar's long like. There's a lot to be decided here. Um, yeah, and apparently uh, George Pickens was on TikTok liking videos that were making fun of Kenny Pickett, too. So, yes, little space well, there. Well, if the rest of the roster likes Kenny Pickett and George Pickens does not, that's all I need to know about Kenny Pickett, that he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so, enough, yeah. So, uh, I will say this. Also, Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers, oldest rivalry in the history of football. I love Green it. Bay Packer, win and in, baby. That's right. Mm-hmm. Win yeah, I, can I can I say something real quick, Braden? I know I just said I'm trying to keep us on the rails here. Go to Sinker's Beverages and use the Kingston Group. Yes, you can. I got reamed for predicting the Packers to be a playoff team this year, but I loved the pieces they surrounded Jordan Love with on offense. I loved their offensive line. I thought their defense could be good enough to win games. And you can call me a Jordan Love truther if you want, but I like him and I'm tired of pretending that I don't. I thought the Packers were going to be good this year. And the fact that they're even in this position at this point in the season, I don't care if they actually make the playoffs or not. I'm going to take a victory lap. Fantasy stats does not equal great football. Um, He's missed a lot of open receivers this year. But for his first year with the youngest offense in the NFL, I acknowledge that he's been better than I expected uh, because I'm kind of a a skeptic um, in general. But that's sort of my, my, my cynical nature. And uh, look at how he's trending, though. I, I, I listen, right listen, now. I get it. Very young players, no Watson, uh, either for them. Aaron Jones missed a lot of time. I think the offensive line isn't very good. They gave they just got torched, though, by Baker Mayfield and Tommy DeVito, which is just not a good sentence. Uh, otherwise, they'd already be in the playoffs right now uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, we shall see. They're good enough to beat the Chiefs and bad enough to lose to Tommy DeVito. So, we'll see. I'm assuming Justin Fields will rip their hearts out because. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still technically the owner of the Chicago Bears, not Jordan Love. Mm. So we'll, we'll mm. see. Okay. okay. Um, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, what everybody's been waiting for here. Um, Rand Carthon versus Mike Vrabel. Um, and I think what's interesting, and I look, there's a lot of stuff we have to sort of watch this. Oh, there we go. Look, you got it. Changed it. Mike and Rand. How does this all end? I think uh, there's only two. In my opinion, there are only two logical conclusions. Now, I think we need to go back and sort of start with all the reasons that there is smoke. And we said this on a previous show. You have to make sure you are considering the motivations of stories that are out there. When the when stories come from Boston, this is this is the easiest one. 
When stories come from Boston, what is the motivation for that information? Well, Robert Kraft loves Mike Vrabel and doesn't really want Bill Belichick as his coach anymore. So he mm -hmm. wants there to be smoke around the fact that they want Mike Vrabel. How does that been like that may hurt him from a leverage play standpoint, but it sends a big signal to everybody. And what is Amy Adams sending a message? What is Amy Adams Strunk doing? What's the motivation behind a leak that says the Titans are fully supportive of Mike Vrabel and all the way behind Mike Vrabel, which came out a couple of weeks ago. What's the motivation mm -hmm. behind that? To show Mike Vrabel that they are behind him. It's not just private. Yeah. We're doing it publicly. That's the motivation. Then you have to look for apparent contradictions. And this is what happened recently. And this one, I'm not even going to mention who it was because I don't think they're fully reputable in this situation. But Mike Vrabel, Stoney, cannot want out of Tennessee and also total control of Tennessee. Those are not things that can that can exist at the same time. You can't want both of them. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I, I mean, I don't I don't think that we've seen I don't think we've seen hard evidence that he wants full control of the roster. Um, I, I think the question, as Zach and Mike pointed out on football and other F words this week, is a really good discussion Ooh. between those two. Shocker, I know if you're subscribed to football and other F words, you, you know about it every week. But bluegrass I, I beverages up in Hendersonville serving the community for 50 years. Bluegrass beverages still to this day. I talked about that Oktoberfest selection they had when I went up there last fall. Fantastic stuff. There we go. Um, but I think I think they hit the nail on the head. Like I that stuff to me sounds silly, but I think the question becomes: does Mike Vrabel want to stay in Tennessee? Like, is his is his heart here or is his heart in Boston? And I think it's fair if you okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recklessly speculate. I'll just say Ooh. I do have a degree in psychology and I'm a big fan of true detective. <laughs> so from Mike Vrabel, five times. <laughs> yeah. From Mike Vrabel's perspective, if I try to put myself in his shoes and I look at this roster and I see how far away it is compared to some of the other uh, opportunities we think may open up in the league and I look at the last two years and I know and I understand how the NFL works and I understand that it's a results-oriented business I might start feeling like you know what this thing might be a little too far gone I don't know that we can really get this fixed in an offseason or two and I might want to then get out of the situation especially if there is some sort of friction now, I, I don't know that I'm believing every little report that comes out or, you know, like, oh, there's like a fist fight in the bathroom or something like that. Like some of that stuff sounds really salacious. It and seems reckless, like reckless speculation. Absolutely. You, Stoney Keeley reporting Rand Carthon, Mike Vrabel, <laughs> fist fight, bathroom happened. It's just a metaphor. Two sources. Just a metaphor. Yeah. Number two, um, number two, number two sources even. Yeah. So, I mean, for some of that stuff that's out there, I, you know, I just don't buy it. And, and I think it just kind of boils down to quite simply, does he want to be here? And I think that's a fair question based off of what we know, because I don't think everything has just been, you know, stirred up by the Boston media to, to put a feeler out there for how everybody's going to react to the possibility of Rabel becoming coach of the Patriots. Or now lately it's, well, people inside the building don't really like Gerard Mayo. So how do you guys feel about that? If, if Gerard Mayo is not the successor to Belichick, you know, all this stuff's out there. And, and I don't think it's just that though, because you guys were talking about this on a football show back in October, if I'm not mistaken. And 
talking to to people, um, my network of spies and ravens, if you will, you know, the idea people were kind of going back to this arranged marriage between Carthon and Vrabel back in the off season is this idea that, oh yeah, the league had a hand in it. And sure, that's a thing that happened. So I, I don't know that, you know, I don't buy I don't buy that there's just absolutely nothing wrong in the building, but I also don't buy all the salacious stuff. And I think yep. that kind of gets me to a more logical opinion that if he does want out, it's because he just doesn't want to be in this situation anymore. If that makes sense. I don't know. Okay. If that was yeah. just no, 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 no. It makes total, it makes total okay. sense. I think it is. I think it is far more. I think it's far more intelligent to ask the question is Mike Vrabel intrigued by Boston and new England than it is to say, does Mike Vrabel want Rand Carthon fired and to be the general manager? I, I, I don't, I yeah, don't think Mike exactly. Vrabel wants to be the general manager. I think no smart, good football coach does Bill mm-hmm. Belichick, maybe aside. And even then I, I think part of the reason that they are struggling and he is trending downward is that you cannot do both jobs. You just, you can't do both jobs. I think Vrabel has no desire to do both jobs. It doesn't yeah. mean he doesn't want a little bit of say on like who the last guy is on his team which I think he's gotten in this process. Um, and Polar says, is it, is, if it is proven that the Pats are doing this, could the Titans report them for tampering? Like, no, you can't tamper through the media. That's not like if Robert Kraft was now, again, this is, this is because this is where we're going to start. I'm going to end with what I think is going to happen, why I think that and how all these rumors got started, because I can tell you exactly how all this stuff got started. And I'll try to give Ooh. you as much detail as possible, but that's, I, I want to start with what do we know? Not what do we think? Not what do we feel? But what do we know? Well, we know that he loves the New England Patriots organization. We know that he has a very close relationship with Robert Kraft. We know that he loves Boston. His son went to BC for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Like we know that he has a tie and a human element to that organization. We know that. We know that he loves winning. <laughs> we know yeah. that. And he's not doing it right now here. That's a that's a possibility. We know that he's under contract next season and that he is not really in control of where he coaches next year unless he wants to pay a huge amount of money. I I don't even think that matters. I think you have to get traded. I think that's Mm -hmm. that's how this this stipulates. We know that Rand Carthon has never been a general manager before. He got hired one year ago, basically like this week, actually, or next week. We know that he's never done the job before. Mm -hmm. We know that. We know that Amy Adams Strunk does not have a circle of high-level football people that she can lean on. And it's not meant to be disrespectful to like Burke Nihel, for example, who is a great businessman, but he's the president of like sort of operations of the Tennessee Titans. All the people that she would have leaned on in this process were people that wanted the job. We know this. <laughs> yeah. Stretch, Ryan Cowden, Monty Ossenfort. They wanted the job. So she cannot go to Monty Ossenfort and say, listen, Monty, I'm thinking about hiring this other guy. What do you think? Like it, we, 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 know, we, we know for a fact that that's, that is sort of the environment. These are all the things we know. We don't have to speculate about any of that stuff. Those are all just sort of things that we know. So here's how it all got started. And I heard this, I heard this stuff, all the stuff I've ever referenced on this show, I got in camp back in like August. And then before. we've seen... The Boston before, Globe started writing about this. And before it started kind of trickling out from other stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is that I do not know how the situation has evolved personally from that moment until today behind the scenes. I, I do not know. 
Um, but it's why I've asked on this show dozens of times, the question that we should be asking is how collaborative is the relationship between Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon? And so what happens is, is that you get these little background stories that you cannot report on fact. And it's not just me. It's a bunch of other people, too. Mm-hmm. People that I trust, Paul Kaharski, uh, Charles Robinson. There's there's a variety of names that I would trust on this and that have background information, stuff we can't report, stuff we can't say out loud, stuff we can't use detail on, but stuff that we kind of know when we kind of hear. Some of it's anecdotal. Some of it's about Rand Carthon. Some of it's about Mike Vrabel. But what happens is, is that everybody sort of kind of hears the same thing. A mm-hmm. couple of stories that kind of make the rounds and everybody kind of hears the same things. And what happens at that point is it starts to balloon and mushroom out into those who are bad actors. And I would say people that are looking for clicks that don't have reputable reputations, reputable rep- reputations that are not reputable, trying to like, again, I would say this most recent week's smoke is one of them, not a reputable source, putting things that don't make sense together into a sentence and with no real tie to the organization. I think my my issue with that is that the the conflicting things within the the same tweet. Um, but I, I I give Zach some credit for this. He pointed it out to me, and and forgive me, my my brain's mush. I can't remember if this was a private text thread or if he actually tweeted it. <laughs> he's gonna put it on stacking the inbox. <laughs> yeah. But you know how much. I think the counterpoint to that is how much does Titans news really move the needle for national guys, and also. That it doesn't, it doesn't Boston right now. <laughs> well, fair enough. And and does it really move the needle if you're dropping these tweets at like 11 o'clock at night for like 25 people to like? Well, and there's another there was another person who like just got some facts wrong as well, who's a little bit more reputable uh, in yeah. all of this. But again, I, I just want to sort of like try to give people like a little peek behind the curtain, which is that everybody hears stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, the stuff I could tell you about the head coach of the old Mississippi Rebels. <laughs> but I cannot because it is unethical for me to say yeah. some of that stuff on the air. But it doesn't mean we don't hear things on background, that we don't gain information or insight or have a source tell you this or a source tell you that. Sometimes it's anecdotal and sometimes you really trust it. And all of the stuff that I heard personally and then all the stuff that I've that other folks have reported, I think there are, there's absolutely to your point, Stoney. There's absolutely been growing pains in the relationship between Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon. Rand Carthon learning how to become a general manager. And because Amy Adams Strunk did not have a lot of good football people in her circle, and we know for a fact they that the NFL certainly is is probably leaning on Amy Adams Strunk to some degree to hire Rand Carthon. Mm-hmm. Again, these are all just things we kind of just know from a logic standpoint. It, it tells us that the simplest explanation, Occam's razor here, is the most likely, which is that there is some smoke here. There is some rough patches, some growing pains. Some of these little minor anecdotal stories that people hear about Rand Carthon or whatever, there's some truth to them, but that there's not a lot of salacious details that really change the future of this franchise. And the job of Rand Carthon is to evaluate talent and put together a great roster. I would say his first offseason, he did a probably like a B plus job, not an A job. But at one point you had five rookies starting and like four of your five free agents were starters. Andre Dillard sucks. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I, I mean, I've been pretty impressed with his first offseason. I just don't know if it was his offseason because that's another layer to this thing is like, well, who was responsible for what throughout this whole 
thing. I, I think that is far less controversial than people think it needs to be. And I think um, uh, what Andrew says this, he says, giving Vrabel full control will only further destroy the team at this point. No coach manages that well enough only because you still have to have a GM that doesn't get the title. So they aren't that good. I ultimately giving Vrabel, Vrabel does not want to be the general manager. I, I, I don't know how else I need to say this. He doesn't want that job. Mm-hmm. Does he want to have a little bit more control or, or say in the scouting process or who I'm going to pick at 53 on the, on the final cutdown day or whatever? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's sort of the, the vibe here, but would he rather have someone he trusts running an entire department of scouts and analytics to make sure that they get the best roster? Yes. That is what the other department is for. He wants that to be successful. So the question then becomes, how do they work together? And that is on Amy Adams Strunk. And that is where Ed says this. It's a shit show created by Amy Adams Strunk. She needs to create definitive roles and provide structure. I don't think she needs to do that part of it, but she needs to sit their happy asses down and she needs to, with some level of authority, have the come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's say, what I- get along, boys. Get along I- and get the job done. And I got grilled. I, I told you this. We we chatted a little bit earlier. Like I got grilled because I've been making passive aggressive jokes about Mike Vrabel leaving the Titans and Todd Bowles and then ending up coaching this team next year. And like <laughs> the root of it is getting at like I I I think it all boils down to just this gut feeling that oh man maybe Amy Adams Strunk has either lost control of this situation or. Like, I agree with what you said earlier about the the football people in her life. Like, maybe this is just a, a more sobering, sad reality that she's just made this mess that's that's too big to to clean up right now. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is that she needs to kind of grab the reins and and get these guys together. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme that says, like, who is the messiest bitch you know, and why is it always a man? <laughs> but that's what it feels like. And I don't know if it's Vrabel. I don't know if it's Rand Carthon. I don't know if it's Robert Kraft up in Boston uh, sending out all these smoke signals. But there's some messy men in this story right now. And Amy Adams Strunk needs to, to just grab them by the ears and sit everybody down and say, yeah. we've got to work this out. We have to have a unified vision. We have to get on the same page for us to turn this thing around. And if you don't, you're both gone. And and we'll get to what I think is going to actually happen in a second. But let's just take those pieces of the puzzle you just laid out and use logic again here. Mm -hmm. The Patriots are their own separate thing. Boston is its own separate part of this story. The the story that is important to Titans fans is how do Amy Adams, Strunk, Rand Carthon, and Mike Vrabel work together to make the team better. That's all that matters. Whatever Boston does is out of their control. Whatever Robert Kraft does is out of his control. He's a thirsty broad who wants Mike Vrabel to come coach his team. We got it. And they're best buddies. And it makes sense, but you can't control that. That's a mess that's out here. That's like a mess out in the yard or the neighbor's yard. That's not even like in your house. That's Mm -hmm. not even what it is. And and let's be logical with Vrabel and Carthon about who's the quote-unquote messiest in this very strange meme analogy that you've created here. Uh, Stoney, go to What it feels like to me. Go to Singers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Let's be... (laughs) They're so proud to be on the show. Let's be logical. Which guy has done his job almost to the highest abilities, coach of the year, AFC championship game, one seed for more than half a decade. And which guy is learning for the first time how to do his job? This is not complicated to me. It's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I just, I want to bring up Zach's comment because I had it in my notes 
And I, I don't want him to make that comment thinking that I wasn't going to bring it up. I just want to tell him, like, Zach, I was going to get to it, buddy. We talked about this yesterday. But I want to know what you think about it, Braden, because this was something that I found out listening to Stillman yesterday that Derek Mason is on record saying that he knows for a fact that Carthon wanted Zay Flowers and they drafted Peter Skaronsky. So I have not talked to Derek Mason about that. Uh, in full disclosure, I did a show with him. Uh, let's we call worked him together right now. We, we worked together with dude on the air. Let's just <laughs> call him right now. Um, we did a show together. We and, and I have not reached out to talk to him about that. And I'll be honest, I love you, Stillman, but I don't l- listen to your show. Um, so, and it's not because I don't think he's he's good. It's because I I cannot consume content outside of 440 Sports. I don't have time in my brain for that. If I want any other free time at all. Um, I got you. Give us a subscription on the on the YouTube page, uh, and make sure you check out Sobros Network and the Football and Other Efforts podcast, Sinkers Beverages, <laughs> and the Kingston Group. Look, do I think like we saw Mike Vrabel's reaction to the AJ Brown trade? Like we saw it, right? Yeah. So so we know that he wants a little bit more control or a little bit more say, or again, maybe to just work with a guy who isn't John Robinson who is twirling a whistle with a big old chaw in his mouth, pretending that he's a coach the whole damn time. Yeah. Rand Carthon is not that guy. Rand Carthon is, is away. I've said this from the beginning. He he's, he's away probably too far away. I think he needs to be more accessible. I think Amy Adams Strunk needs to be more accessible in all of this and, and be more firm. I think there are re- legitimate questions about is Amy Adams Strunk capable of doing the things that we just said, which is have the come to Jesus meeting and tell everybody to get along. Do I think for a fact that we're ever going to know? And I don't, again, I, I I know and love Derek very much. I don't know how anyone, I don't know how, unless you got it from Rand Carthon specifically. Because again, this is all goes back to motivation on sources and information that people claim. We know for a fact that Diana Rossini gets most of her stuff from the Vrabel camp. We know for a fact that Ian Rappaport gets most of his stuff from the, from the Carthon camp. You can connect the dots very easily. The only person, there are only probably two people, but really the one, maybe Chad Brinker is number three, that could tell you definitively that Rand Carthon wanted Zay Flowers over Peter Skaronsky. There is only one human that could tell you that, and that is Rand Carthon. (laughs) So so either Derek Mason knows specifically from Rand Carthon that he wanted Zay Flowers, or it's one of these things that we hear in the media. Oh, this a rumor, this, oh, I would have loved that guy. We know that Rand Carthon liked Zay Flowers. Teron Davenport was talking about Zay Flowers a whole lot before the draft for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's because they really did like Zay Flowers. Also, Zay Flowers, really fucking good at football. <laughs> I had it. He was wide receiver two on my board. And Love I Zay Flowers. I, I would have been. It wouldn't have been popular on draft night, but I, I would have been happy if they had taken him, even if it was at 11. I, I would have been cool with it. Just uh, my opinion on the matter. But you, uh, you know these guys. Uh, way better than I do, and that is to say, I don't know them at all. Uh, is it, like, do they drink? Was this like something where like everybody's having having shots at the bar, and then Rand Carthon's like, you know what, Derek, that fucking Peter Skaronsky. <laughs> I wanted I, Zay look, Flowers. I, I'm not going to spend any more time on what Derek Mason is saying or not saying. It's not that important okay. to me. I mean, again, okay. if all that matters with that is that the only person that can confirm that is Rand Carthon. And until Rand Carthon says so publicly, I, I you know, I, you got to take Derek's word on it, I guess. But again, I'm not, I'm not here to traffic in other people's reports. I, I, I know what I know. I know what's logical. I know some informed speculation. And I know, uh, here's what I do know, how it's going to fucking end. 
Here's okay. how. Here's right there. It says so on the bottom. <laughs> like it ran. How it's all going to end? Predicting the future here on a football show. Ninety. Okay. There is only one way that Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel are not back together next year at the Tennessee Titans. And that is maybe even as soon as next week, there is an offer so large from the New England Patriots and that Mike Vrabel has hinted to Amy Adams Strunk that he is interested in signing some sort of ridiculous contract that guarantees him job security through a rebuild process in New England because he loves Boston so much, which we know for a fact, that the offer is so large that Amy Adams Strunk cannot turn it down and that he is traded to New England. Otherwise, and that's to me like a 1% possibility. Otherwise, the most logical conclusion to all of this garbage is that we have two guys trying to figure it out. Yeah. And they're both pretty good at their job, but we're seeing growing pains for a first-year general manager, a coach that's got to get rid of a quarterback and a running back that were historically good, rebuild an offensive line because of a failed fucking general manager's terrible draft picks. Like, use your brains. Use your brains yeah. on this. The roster and is terrible. Rand Carthon's a new GM. Mike Vrabel has a little more control. Amy Adams Strunk doesn't have a lot of football expertise in her life. Follow the fucking path. It's not that hard. And if you do subscribe to the idea that Vrabel was being earnest in his press conference uh, when asked about this, then I think it your your statement earlier comes to mind where you said you, you didn't know how this thing has evolved over the course of the season. Maybe it's possible that that conversation already has happened, and maybe it's possible that Vrabel was absolutely telling the truth in this press conference. He's going to be back, and and he is making the effort to make this thing work. I, I think that's a pretty simple explanation, too, is that we're, we're talking about it like this is what needs to happen. Well, maybe it already has happened, and we just don't know about it. I think a lot of fans, and, and I understand uh, Puka Harris asked this, and you guys, you guys are talking about Skaronsky here. And Puka says, who is responsible for Dillard? Some say Vrabel. I, I don't think that we if we if we spend our all of our time at, with one offseason agonizing agonizing over every single decision, you're gonna go insane. I, I think John Robinson, it was a collection of decisions over years that ultimately led to his firing because it took years to learn after years of really good decisions. Like again, people forget real quickly trading for DeMarco Murray, trading for uh, Ryan Tannehill drafting Derrick Henry and Kevin Byard like they he crushed the first three or four years of his job as the GM and then he was terrible for like three or four years and it takes that amount of time to sort of understand and ruin a roster and then to understand like you can't just if you're going to spend time on Dillard, like not every general manager hits on every player not every coach hits on every player it is it is not a 100-0 pass fail type of situation so I'm not trying to like discount Puka asking about Dillard but if if Rabel really wanted Skaronsky and they came to an agreement that they were going to draft Skaronsky, I think Skaronsky is going to be a pretty good player. I don't want to make a judgment on who's right or wrong at this stage of the season. I, I think you need to, you need more time, and and so I I just don't think it does you any good to to agonize over every single detail. You have to put the body of work together over time, and I think I kinda... the most likely situation is they are both back next year, and they're both working together and they're getting better at working together, and we will see if it's good enough, and if it is not good enough. There is no scenario in which Mike Vrabel is fired and Rand Carthon is kept. Like, I don't understand. Like, what, what if they are so bad next year that you are going to fire Mike Vrabel? 
then Rand Carthon hasn't done his job either, and he is going to lose yeah. his job. Well, and that's why I say, like, I I know I'm making stupid jokes and everything, but that's why I say Amy Adams Strunk says you got to figure it out or you're both gone because I think that's that's the likeliest thing. If there's another there season go. like this, I, I don't know how you can put put either of them back in their positions, but I kind of like, I'll be honest with you, Braden, I kind of like where Puka's head's at. He's said earlier, uh, Rand knows how to be general manager, but jealous people within the organization say he doesn't. Ooh, that's spicy. Can we talk about that soap opera for a little bit? Yeah, I'm trying to. So, um, and I think somebody else had mentioned, okay, here it is right here. Um, that's, that's from Puka there. You just read it. There's also all the folks that I think, let me see how I can say this. <laughs> um, all the people that I think would be most offended by Rand getting the job are not here anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. Or, and have not been here for quite some time. It does not Fair mean enough. that there aren't it does not mean there are not plenty of people in that building that are on the quote unquote Vrabel camp, right? And that maybe they don't like how the two camps have been meshed together. There, there's absolutely a chance that somebody works on both sides of that and they saw how it was done previously and they liked it and or they didn't like it or they like this or they don't like that. And that's absolutely like again, that would be informed speculation on my part. Um, that that's a possibility. There's also a chance that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, that Rand Carthon is going to rework the entire scouting department. That hasn't happened yet. And I'm available. That normally happens right after the draft. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that Rand kept everybody in place after that. And so that is something that could be coming in May of this year. Well, so, slip in the uh, resume of mine if you can, if you get the chance. Okay, all right. <laughs> I was talking to Chad Brinker one day about it, so I'll just, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. name drop, name drop, uh, former Green Bay guy. So there's, there, so. there's this guy, Stony Keeley. Man, he hit on Puka Nakua <laughs> last year. Tajay, Nobody else. He did. was real high on Tajay Spears. Here we yeah, go. Ed Henry beat me to it. Yeah, Henry just um, you know, leave out the part where I said Sam Laporta was a bust and the eleventh best tight end in this class. Leave that part out. Yeah, you and Zach also anti Luke Musgraves. Y'all can go. Well, hang on a second. He's good. <laughs> I said. I good said. As I said he was. There's potential there, but I don't think we had. I don't think we had a good body of work to base that. It was all projection with him. I sure wish he was healthy for my Green Bay Packers this weekend against the Chicago Bears. That's all I got to say. Uh, Fair enough about Fair enough. about Luke Musgrave. Um, okay, so again, let's just do quickly here. I, I, I think we are at a 99.9 percent chance that that Rand Carthon and Mike Rabel are back. I cannot see a situation where she moves on one of them and not the other. And if she does, it's Vrabel, not Carthon. But Carthon needs meaning meaning she would keep Vrabel and move on Carthon. But that would still yeah. be two years from now to give him enough time to prove whether or not he deserves the job or not. You cannot make that assessment right now unless it's so bad and all this is so true, which seems very unlikely. Uh, then there's that, and it doesn't work out. And there's no growth. There's no evolution. There's no progress. What I think is ultimately what you need to think think through. It's like the, the kind of common sense stuff. Boston wants Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel loves Boston. Okay? That is what it is. Amy Adams-Strunk doesn't have a lot of football people around her. She needs to be better at that stuff. And that's probably how they ended up with some help from the NFL saying, hey, this Rand Carthon guy's pretty good. And that Amy also, just if I may, if I may interject, because I got grilled on Twitter for, for saying that yesterday, that is the crux of why I worry about if something is to fall through with Mike Vrabel or Rand Carthon, um, do you have the confidence in her to make the smart football decisions? I, I think that is a fair question. I think that's a fair question. Um, but ultimately, 
we have an established high quality football coach who's got a bad roster because of previously fired general manager with an owner who doesn't have a ton of football experience or, or expertise. I should say you don't need experience, but expertise and a GM that's first time on the job. Like they are figuring it out and they should yeah. be given the opportunity to figure it out. I'm not guaranteeing that it works. I don't know if it works. Frankly, if you ask me right now, I'm probably saying it doesn't, yeah. but, but if that's that, that is speculation on my part. That is like saying, I think Josh Heupel will be a good coach at Tennessee when he was hired. Or I, I think, you know, Shane Beamer is going to do a good job at South Carolina because of X, Y, or Z. Like that is, that's the guessing game that we all play when it comes to evaluating coaching decisions, general managing decisions and player decisions. You just, yeah. you're, you're, you're guessing. And so, um, they're going to ha- be given the opportunity to figure it out and it either will work or it will not. And it will yeah. be obvious because they have a ton of cap space and they got draft picks. So it's all just right there in front of us. And I don't, I'm not sure it's worth an, like we've done this. I feel like we've done this Tony on the show like five times now. And I just, it's not as bad as it, as, as it seems. Um, and we're all going to learn together if it works or not. So I hope, I hope everything's true. I hope that Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel had a fist fight on draft night over Zay Flowers. <laughs> I, I, I hope every bit of it's true. And uh, no, I'm I'm kidding, of course. Uh, uh, that is his opinion. Yeah. <laughs> also, to be clear, I did not hear that Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel got in a fist fight. That's just oh, okay. I, me I sure being hope, an ass. I, I sure hope that that is clear. I, um, listen. The, the all the thoughts and opinions of Tony Keeley do not represent those of 440 Media or a football show. <laughs> I don't I don't want to get you Jimmy Kimmel, Braden. I really don't. Um, oh, Jesus. But we do we do need to talk about that old Miss head coach off the air because I've, I've I, heard am, some stuff too. Okay, am I McAfee in this in this analogy? I'll take that. I think so. And his, con- I think so. And his contract. And unfortunately, never, that makes me Aaron Rodgers, which I I've hate. never I've never seen a human being in real time realize that like. Oh shit! I'm platforming my best friend to talk shit about my boss's <laughs> most powerful player. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I it's did so, want to bring. So good. Also, if you read up on the Epstein stuff, it's completely full of shit. By the way, so yeah, yeah. I, I did want to bring up one other point new. On, on all of this stuff that I don't think I've worked in yet. Uh, but again, I've had five concussions, so if I have already said this, you can stop me. A lot of concussions. Um, I, I just don't think things are as simple enough for Vrabel to wiggle out of here in Tennessee either because like you've brought up before it's it's going to be Amy Adams strong decision it's going to take a willing trade partner and maybe it is New England but are they are they really going to be be willing to give up the capital it would take to properly compensate for the loss of Mike Vrabel in this this franchise and I think you know looking at that from Amy's position Two what does it mean for, for Rand Carthon you know, I, what is what do you do with him if if you trade Vrabel? Do you trust him to to hire the next head coach after what has happened this year? This situation that, like I said, you got a bunch of messy men using the media to kind of well, that's that's an insinuation, but stories are floating out in the media from sources connected to uh, the <laughs> Titans camp. How about how yeah. about that? Is that a- I didn't know you were that limber. <laughs> <laughs> is that a, a safer way of saying it? You know, all this stuff that's been going on, basically. We'll just leave it yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. I, and and I just don't think there's a simple answer to that. So I agree. 
I think the um, likeliest thing is to be clear yeah. that they 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 get in a room and they seven minutes in heaven this thing. Let's let's work it out. Let's love and, through this. And then and then we learn very quickly in the next 18 months if it's the right if it worked or not. Yeah. That's it. They, and they, that's have, where... they have 90 million dollars in cap space and an NFL draft coming up. We're gonna find out next season if it works. And if he does another draft like he did this year. I'll say I'll say them if they do another draft mm-hmm. because all that matters is did you get the player on the team? It doesn't matter who ultimately makes the decision because I think they're both going down with the ship if it fails. Yeah. And so what matters is do you get good football players in free agency in the draft? And we will know pretty quickly if they do and the team will be better. And if it yeah. does get better and they are more talented and they fix problems like again. Hard to argue that Peter Skaronsky, Tajay Spears, Josh Wiley don't help the team. They do. Will Levis, what are we doing? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like the entire starting backfield is put in place by Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel this offseason. Whoever had final say, I don't care. What, yeah. what matters is that they got four or five new starters on the offense next year through mm-hmm. this one draft class. Let's see what next one looks like. Then we can make another evaluation. And after that, if they're terrible, then it will be both of their faults. And, the, and that Amy Adams Trunk will have to move on from both of them. And that's it. And we'll be talking about Bobby Slowick, new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And I I knew Zach Lyons was going to show up at some point. <laughs> so and, and, and I, I know you guys are too close. You hang out too much and you, your Listen, brain, your mind melts happen too often for that not to have taken place on the show at some point. So I just love I just love watching Texans all 22. That's not going to make me popular on this show among viewers and listeners. I do too. I do too. I, I love watching. I love watching what he's done down there. So I, I, I mean, I'm a look. I've lived in Nashville since 1996. I went to every Titans game in like 98, 99, 2000. I went to the Super Bowl. I root for the Titans to be very good, but they are not where my heart lies. Uh, Fair I, enough. This this Fair thing enough. right here. See that thing on my wall right there? Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, a, yeah. That is a share of Green Bay Packers stock that my grandfather passed that? to me when he died. So you want to know where my heart lies? That's where it lies. But. I root for my town. I root for my city to be good. And, uh, I, but I don't hate watch the Colts. Uh, you know, I don't hate watch the Titans. I don't hate watch the Jags. Although the Jags are easy to hate watch. Um, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. so Ed, Ed here says that if I was on the scout team last year, the Titans wouldn't, would not have ended up with Levis. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Ed's talking about. I have never said a cross word about Will Levis in my entire <laughs> life. I've always said he's going to be a future MVP of the league. And sure. uh, doesn't have any weaknesses at all. Arthur, uh, this is from Polar. Arthur Smith looks like he might be fired. Does Vrabel bring him back? Not a bad idea. No, I don't think so either. Not um, a bad idea. You know, just don't put him in press conferences, please. No, it's fine. I, I find him to be quite entertaining, but that's because I like weirdos. Um, well, yeah. So anyway. Uh, all right. So there you have it. Uh, we're going to talk about Michigan and Washington on Monday. Uh, we will do that. Of course, we'll have what looks like a playoff picture to discuss. We'll see what happens with, of course, um, you've got Henry and Tannehill in the parking lots and, and all that stuff. So uh, a lot of stuff to do uh, on Monday's show. And uh, we'll see who's hanging out with me. We'll see. We'll, yeah. We'll just, well, we'll just see. Listen, we were originally going to talk about Michigan and Washington. I wrote this awesome joke that I want to get out before we get out of here. Also, Ed, Ed apologized to me. I, I New Year's resolution. I want to be better about not saying things with such a stone-faced, dry demeanor where people can't tell that I'm kidding, but I'm absolutely kidding, Ed. So your like New I, Year's intention is to have more personality. My New Year's intention is to tell the truth. 
Okay, I like it. See, I just did it again. I just did it again. Mine is to uh, mine is to ride the bus, finish books, go to therapy, listen to more Taylor. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, uh, and seek out those I disagree with and listen to them. How about that? Okay, you have fun with that. Uh, anyway, my point, Ed, I did not like Will Levis. You were right to remember that, and I'm sorry to uh, to make you question that. Uh, also. You were going to ask about Michigan and Washington before we remembered the game was Monday and you guys are going to do a show there. <laughs> and I was going to say on the Washington Huskies, well, Braden, I think it's clear if you look at the results of the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl that the Pac-12 has never been stronger. Nope, it hasn't. And it might win the national championship on Monday night. In fact, I might be picking them to win the national championship on Monday night. Listen, people keep ruling out those Huskies, and, and yeah. Michael Michael Penix just keeps going out there and slinging dimes. Thank you for saying his name correctly um, and not being an adolescent child like my other co-host. Um, so I do appreciate you guys. Thank you to Sobros <laughs> Network, of course, Stony Keeley, everybody, uh, and Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group as well. Uh, we do appreciate all your great and awesome support. All you listeners, please give us a little subscription button there on the podcast or on the YouTube page. We do appreciate it. We're going to have a lot of stuff planned for you guys in the offseason, both Titans and SEC-related. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff to do. Otherwise, enjoy the final weekend uh, of the NFL. we got playoff matchups to come. The football show is back on Monday, of course, to preview the national championship game and break it all down. Now, let's see if I can do this correctly. For Stoney Keeley, I am Braden Gall. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you on Monday.